welcome to Ink and Impact, the podcast for Christian writers who want to impact their readers. I'm your host, Daylene Bickle, and each week I'll help you keep a pulse on the publishing industry, showcase Christian authors and their books, and share ways you can improve your craft and magnify your message. Whether you're a fiction or nonfiction writer, traditionally or indie published, established or just starting out, this podcast is for you. Welcome to episode six of the Ink and Impact podcast. I'm so glad to have you here listening and watching if you are over on YouTube. It's so good to be with you again. Today, we are talking about the three benefits of sharing content before your book is published. I know that that can be um, somewhat of a scary concept, especially if you're a first-time author. You know, we're often in a quandary over what exactly should we share and how much content is it safe to share. Recently, I've had several aspiring authors reach out to me with these exact type of questions. So, for example, I got a question asking, is it okay to post about the content of my manuscript before it's published? Another one asked, how much content can I share on my blog or on social media without giving away the essence of my book? And the last question was, what if other people steal my ideas or content before my book is published? And these are all great questions. And to be honest, they're questions that I have asked um, about my own work in the past. However, over time, I've come to recognize that there are a few benefits to actually sharing some of that content before the book is published. And we're going to address that today. So let's dive in. Three benefits of sharing content. First and foremost, you'll gain clarity and insight. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you share your ideas and theories with the public, your audience will give you valuable feedback about whether they like, understand, and resonate with your ideas or storyline. It's super helpful to get that information. A second benefit to sharing content is that you'll gain credibility. Most publishers say it's helpful to be recognized as an expert before your book launches. This, of course, helps build your platform and grow a loyal following. Now, let me pause here because I know what some of you are probably thinking right now. I'm writing devotionals or Bible studies. I um, am writing a biblical history book but I don't have a seminary or theological degree. There's no way I could be called an expert. Well, if that's you, um, let me calm your concerns because degrees aren't the end-all be-all. They aren't the standard that we should follow, right? Yes, they're important. And God certainly calls many men and women to those classes um, for specific reasons. But just because you don't have one doesn't mean that you're not qualified to write the book that God placed on your heart. Let God's word be the standard. Don't be afraid to share what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you and what God has prompted you to write. Also, I know some of you are fiction writers and you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm not an expert on anything. I'm, I'm writing a fiction book. Well, first, many fiction authors are very knowledgeable about the era, eras or events that they're writing about. And second, don't rule out the fact that your fans will consider you to be an expert. While your book won't necessarily be a good fit for everyone, no one's book is a good fit for everyone. That's why we write in genres, right? 
and we find our tar target audience. But it will be for your tribe of loyal fans and followers, of people who love your genre of literature. They will recognize your talent and recommend your books to their friends. That, dear writer, is phenomenal credibility. The third benefit of sharing content before your book is published is that you'll gain confidence. And what writer can't stand to add more confidence, right? Especially if you're an aspiring author. Get the confidence you need to publish because posting about your topic beforehand and adding words to your manuscript, you know, keep writing, will make you more confident. The more you share, the more things start to click in your head, the easier the writing becomes, the better you get to know your audience and what they like and don't like, the better you can adjust your manuscript. All of that plays into it. And as you begin to gain followers, as you begin to get that feedback, you obviously realize that, hey, there are people that like my work. My work isn't all that bad, right? So you and your followers will increasingly consider you to be not just a writer, but an author. Now, those are three of the top benefits of sharing content before your book is published. But now you're probably wondering, okay, I'm going to share content. How much do I share? Are there limits to sharing content? Great question. The answer is, there's not really a limit. It's entirely up to you to determine how much content you feel comfortable sharing. Back in episode three of the Ink and Impact podcast, my guest David Mike related how he blogged his entire book over a span of three years before compiling it and revising it for publication. Like many of you, he worried that no one would want to buy the book when it became available since they'd already read it in little bits and, and spurts. But guess what? Most of his audience, his platform did buy his book. Why? Because by the time his book was published, they had become loyal fans, appreciated that his entire story was now available in one convenient single document. They didn't have to go scrolling back through all old blog posts, right? They would have it all in their hand in one book. And they understood that additional bonus material was only available in the book version. He had made sure that he you know, revised it enough and added in additional information to make it enticing to his audience. Now, that's just one person's experience. Don't feel that you have to do what David did. Don't feel that you have to share your entire book on a blog. You don't have to do that. You can choose to share as much or as little as you feel comfortable. This is particularly true for indie authors. And as Christian writers, we don't just want to move forward with what we want to do or what we think is right. It's important to make room for God's plan in our stories in all phases of the process. In every decision, I encourage us to and I'm talking to myself here too, because I'm a fellow writer, to take it to the Lord in prayer and heed what the Spirit prompts us to do. And when in doubt, we can rely on Oswald Chambers' excellent advice in his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. And he says, quote, never reserve anything. Pour out the best you have and always be poor. Never be diplomatic and careful about the treasure God gives, end quote. So there you have it, fellow pen pushers. Don't be afraid to share your message as you write your book. Now, we still have one more question to answer, don't we? If you're paying attention, you will remember that there's one more question, and it is, what if sharing content leads to content theft? Hmm. Now, 
what if someone steals your writing and runs with it before your book is published? While it's true that such a thing can occur and it has occurred, it is rather rare. Okay. So let me just encourage you in that way. But because it is a potential possibility, let's look at this a little further. And let me encourage us with a little bit of scripture here as well. Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we are prayed up and we're giving it over to God and we're seeking his guidance and we're trying to determine what to do. We can take a couple of extra action steps to prevent people from taking our material and plagiarizing or just downright you know, downloading it and using it, we can prevent that from not sharing entire chapters of our manuscript on our blog or podcast. We can share just snippets about our concepts, our research findings, our insights, um, portions of interviews, things like that. We don't have to share the entire fully written chapters. Okay. And in addition, it's good for us to be aware of basic copyright laws. Last year, I interviewed Patty Jenkins, who is a local intellectual property attorney in my area, for my writing group, and she shared a wealth of information about this topic. And a couple of the key takeaways I want to share here with you are that, one, when you share information on your blog, be sure to include a copyright notice, which is simply the copyright symbol followed by the year of publication and your name. This is basic proof of your creation and ownership of the material. Now, I know if you have a website, there's always that little copyright date at the bottom of your website, but I'm talking about each blog post should also have that copyright notice, okay? That's in addition to your basic footer on every page of your website. Also, point number two from that interview was for an added layer of protection, register your copyright. Now, this is typically reserved for books rather than just blog posts. But you could do it either way, um, but it does involve registering through the U.S. government and paying a fee for each registration. So that's typically why it's only used um, by most authors for their books. The primary benefit of registering, as opposed to just putting a copyright notice on it, is that should someone copy your material without your permission, and there be infringement, that's the technical term, I believe, for that, then rather than the burden of proof being on you to prove that they took that material and that you lost time and income um, and you, you know, you have to go through tax records and receipts and, and come up with an itemized list of just exactly how much money you think you may have lost out on because writing is time, right? And to create that intellectual property, it took you time that you would have been paid for if you had, you know, been at, at any other job, right? So rather than that burden of proof being on you, when you register it, that automatically says, hey, the, you need to take care of this. You, you, you took the, the intellectual property of this person and you need to reimburse them, that kind of thing. So that's, if I understand that correctly, if there are any intellectual property attorneys out there listening and I'm misconstruing this, please let me know um, in the comments or message me, email me, but let me know if I'm incorrect on that. But if I... In interpreted her interview correctly. That is my understanding. A third point is that when you post content to social media sites, not just on your blog, your copyright ownership may not be in 
enforceable. While it's still a good idea to put your name on, you know, the image um, or the copyright symbol, you know, that notice on your image or your caption um, that goes along with your images, it's a good idea to do that. But your the legality of that doesn't go back to you. Instead, because you're using someone else's platform, it falls under their copyright. Okay, so you want to be aware of that. Whenever you agree to their terms of use, you, um, in effect, you by default opted into their exclusion to your copyright. So you just want to be careful of that. So what does this mean? Are you supposed to be scared and run away from sharing anything at all on social media or anywhere else? No, I'm not here saying that you should be scared to stick your head in a hole and not not do anything, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just encouraging us to be aware and to take um, proactive steps to safeguard ourselves, right? We are not meant to live in fear and we're not meant to hide our content from content from the world. So simply take some precautions as you share the message God has placed on your heart. So again, a little summary. First and foremost, own your own website and blog. Use those methods to disseminate the bulk of your work. When you own it, you can enforce that copyright more than if you're using social media. Include a copyright notice on everything you post and publish, each, each piece, each work. Consider registering a copyright for your book if that's something that interests you. And share snippets of content on, on social and point people back to your blog where they can then get the bulk of your information and purchase your books. So for more detailed information about copyright and or to register your work, please visit the copyright.gov website. That's copyright.gov website. If you're in the U.S., that's the, we are talking about U.S. laws. Just FYI, um, whatever country you're in, you will want to look that up to see what is applicable in your area. And remember, too, that the good news is that even if someone does lift your blog post or social media captions, God will still be able to use your message and give you new words. As Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. All right, moving on to industry news. This is always something I really enjoy sharing. I love research and I love statistics. I don't know why I'm not a math person, but I do love learning about book industry stats. And so I have a few to share with you today. Um, since we celebrated our nation's independence here in the U.S. on Monday, I thought I'd continue the celebration this week by featuring some encouraging stats about independent authors. Um, and of course, we also know that independent authors are known as self-published authors. According to wordsrated.com in a report released this year back in February, 300 million self-published books are sold each year. The number of self-published books has increased, get this, 264% in the last five years. And 1.25 billion, that's with a B, worth of self-published books are sold each year. So how about that for some encouragement? You know, if you're a self-published author, that is great news. Now, I fully believe there's room for both traditional and indie authors. Definitely, there are pros and cons for each. So whichever you choose, just know that there's a market for your book. So keep writing. Now we're moving on to our listener opportunities. And I love this so much to be able to hear back from you. 
um, what you like, what you don't like, and also to be able to, you know, treat you with some goodies every now and then like we have right now. I want to thank you to everyone who entered the Just Rest 90-Day Devotional Giveaway Contest that we ran last month following um, the interview with Melanie Red, and she was so generous that she donated three books to um, listeners who would go on to the uh, podcast player of their choice and leave a review for this Ink and Impact podcast, and then sent a screenshot to me um, showing that review. And I just wanted to thank everyone who participated, did a random drawing, and have the three winners to announce right now. So are you ready to hear who won Just Rest by Melanie Red? They are Suzette Catapodes, Kim Stewart, and Michelle Weissman. So congratulations, ladies. Be on the lookout for your signed copies to arrive in your mailbox. Also, I wanted to thank the listeners who responded. Actually, we had one listener, and I would love for that to grow as I'm going to do a question of the month every month. Um, but I had one response to the June's listener question of the month. And that question was, as an author, do you write short books under 400 pages or long books over 400 pages? And have you ever considered whether your readers prefer longer or shorter books? So the response I received was from Lila Diller, and she's a romance author. And she responded, in answer to your podcast question, as an author, I prefer to write shorter books about novella length, 40 to 50,000 words. These are the kinds of fiction books I prefer to read as well, binging them in one sitting. I actually think the traditional publishing world is still stuck with an arbitrary word count. I can't even get agents to look at my work if I don't have at least 80,000 words, but that means I have to add a lot of fluff that bogs down the story. Thank you, Lila, for sharing your response. And if any of you would like to learn more about Lila, you can visit her at her website, lilladiller.com. And for those of you who are wondering how to convert the word count to the page count, um, the question was about page count. She shared word count, which was just fine. I appreciate that. But if you're wondering how to convert that and how to figure out how they line up, there are typically 300 to 350 words per six by nine paperback book. Like that's the average paperback size, I think. So per page, there are 300 to 350 words. So in Lila's example, her books average um, just under 150 pages. So if you would like to be featured on, I guess it would be August episode, respond to the July question of the month. And that question is, what is one thing you wish you had done differently when you wrote and published your first book? So simply email me your response at info at inkandimpact.com. By the end of this month, I'll just compile all of those answers and I will share them on the first episode in August. So I look forward to receiving your responses to that. And finally today, are you an aspiring author? Have you, you know, working on your first book, you haven't been published yet. Well, if that's you, be sure to download my free 10-step author blueprint. The link for that is at the bottom of today's show notes at inkandimpact.com. That's it for today, fellow pen pusher. Remember, don't just write a book, make an impact.